Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. Today, we're here with Phil as usual. Hey, Phil. Hey, Rohan. How's it going? Good. And we do have a special guest, Mr. Marlin. How are you, Marlin? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. Configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML. So first and foremost, Marlon, you've written a book on smart homes. I did, yeah. <laughs> that, that is, that, first of all, that's really cool. I, I, I want to hear about the experience of, of doing that. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, if, if just for everybody listening, if you, if you aren't familiar, why don't you tell us a little bit about the title of the book, who you are and, uh, what's going on in it? Sure. Uh, the title of the book is the smart home manual. And, um, I wrote the book for people who, uh, are just getting into smart homes or just have an interest and want to know about how to build a smart home, what kind of, what kinds of things you can do with a smart home, how much a smart home costs, what are the yep. different technologies involved? It's not really a book that's going to give you like a manual, although it's called a manual, it's going to give you a manual on how to use Google home, how to use um, Amazon's assistant and how to use all those other things. It'll just teach you about them, give you an idea of what you can do with them and help you plan budget and all that kind of stuff. So it's really, if I wrote it specific to technologies, it would would already be out of date. So, (laughs) so it's just a book out there for people who are really interested at probably at beginner and medium level and, it's kind of. It would have been a book I would have liked to have read when I was really just starting to play around with this stuff about a decade ago. Yeah, a lot of the technologies like Z-Wave and Zigbee are still the same. So yeah, um, yeah, that's that's pretty much all it's about. And that's probably the best way to write it, right? Like it, something that you would find that you, I think one, it helps you learn. Like you probably writing the the book have, have learned some more, right? And yeah, you know, like just being able to share that your experience and and helping people avoid some of the mistakes that you may have made or, you know, some things that you just didn't understand along the way. It's the perfect yeah. way to introduce other people to the, to the space too. Yeah. That, that, and that, that's exactly it. And then just giving people idea. I mean, I think a lot of people don't even realize the kind of things you can do with a smart home. So they just think uh, they're, they kind of really put you in a little box, but there's all kinds of things. It gives you ideas of uh, different builds you can do for different budgets. And, mm. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's exactly what I, what I would have wanted. And I did have to do some research, even though I've been building smart homes for a bit. Yeah. Um, but it was, it was a good process. It was, it was fun. That's awesome. So obviously we are the Home Assistant podcast. So I'm guessing you must use Home Assistant, right? Yes, I definitely use Home Assistant. I, I am very glad that I do. <laughs> All right. If not, you're feel free to leave the shut. Not kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I tell people it's the best smart home decision I've made in the last period. Yeah. yeah to, go to, to go to Home Assistant. So did you start off with Home Assistant? Like, what's your home automation journey, I guess? So um, when I first started getting into what I call real home automation, I was using a Verilite. Um, that, that's oh, what I started with. Wow. And it was uh, just totally Z-Wave for the most part. And Verilite had some other integrations. And I, I tried that. But it started to get a little old. It was getting to the unsupported part. I think I had wrote a script that reboots it every day so it would stay stable. Yeah. 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 Um, and I was like, you know, it's time for me to look for something else. And I was looking through a few things. I was looking at OpenHab and other other ones. And then the response I got just asking a few questions for Home Assistant from the community was incredible. And I was like, well, this is where I'm going to go because whatever help I'm going to need, I'm probably going to get if I go with Home Assistant. Mm-hmm. And so about three years ago, I decided to just give it a try and it was incredible how quickly I it, it integrated with everything I already had. 
and how quickly it was to get up and running. It took really just a couple of hours to do all the stuff I already had and actually feel like and replicate all my automations and everything. It just, uh, it was incredible. <laughs> that is, that's actually really, really cool. So it, it, I know one of the couple of things that you talked about, you just mentioned rather is like you, you built uh, a script to re restart your Vera so on and so forth. So is, is, is it, do you come from a technical background in the sense then? Yeah. So uh, I have a pretty technical background. I started off my career as a computer scientist Although I haven't written code professionally for 20 years, so I don't really consider myself um, sure. a professional coder anymore. And I still work in IT. I'm an I'm a IT director at the University of Washington. Awesome. Nice. That's uh, so okay. So so there there was a bit of a lot a lot of knowledge there that that yeah. kind of transferred through <laughs> and and so on as well. So which yeah, they is, don't teach smart they didn't teach smart homes in college. I can tell you that. That's right. You know what? You know what? <laughs> they probably do now. There, they there's did an then. idea, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> it's uh it's but okay so that's kind of cool so you've been into home automation for a little bit uh i guess you said about roughly about 10 years it sounds yeah, like yeah yeah okay so that's that's wicked so so what do you use today in your smart home like how do you how do you run it how do you oh um, man um i got a lot of stuff i've accumulated a lot of stuff over the years so i think most of my devices are z-wave so i have z-wave multi-sensors for mm. temperature humidity and motion I have Z-Wave light switches and Z-Wave um, tilt sensors that I use for my garage doors, to, and I combine those with. I use a lot of Shellys. I have that's probably the second, probably my favorite little. The Shelly one is probably my favorite home automation device. Okay, and I use those all over the place for light switches for the garage door openers. I use Z-Wave door locks and um, just I, I, just a ton of yeah, stuff yeah, that I yeah. use. Yeah. And it's nice that the home assistant um, integrates with my security system, so I can do a lot of things there with integrating lights and integrating the um, Google Homes with my security system, so I can make the Google Homes be even louder. They basically are sirens for my alarm system, and they talk to the if there's an intruder, they'll tell them you've got to leave now. This yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm so sure I'm like, much politer, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Please, yeah. please exit my premise. Thank you. Yeah, so then yeah, it plays yeah. a loud siren all throughout the house where each place where I have one of those. That's yeah. actually kind of cool. I've, I've, I've been wanting to actually look at doing something like that because uh, when I first moved in the house, I was like, I need to get sirens. And then I was like, uh, do I want to deal with that? Yeah. Right. And then, and so, so what is it, uh, what is it that you're doing? Are you, um, are you running an MP3 through there? Just a yep. really loud siren sound or something like yeah, that? Yeah. So I was just searching for some, um, MP3s. And so what I, what I have it do is I, I, um, using, uh, the, the home assistant, uh, the, the Nabucasa voices. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I think I used an English voice to make it nice and, um, proper. Right. And uh, I have it basically tell a message that the uh, the authorities have been called. And then I just pipe through an MP3 that plays for about a minute. And then it repeats that cycle for about five minutes. It'll give you the warning and then tell you and then play the siren at a really loud volume. All right. Got it. Got it. That's which is which is handy. Right. And and is that something you force through like repeat it like once a minute? The, is it once a minute the automation runs? Because what happens if somebody goes, hey, stop. <laughs> right like hey whatever whether it's the amazon uh, echo or google home or whatever stop does that does that actually stop the sound does that and then and then do you force it, it, it would still repeat it is a automation that'll just run once a minute so it'll still repeat it um okay. nice. again in a minute even if they were to stop it and then they'd have to stop it all over because i got like a couple of these on each floor of the house so 
Okay. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Cause, cause that was my big thing is I'm like, well, what if somebody just says like, Hey, stop or mutes it or, or does one of those kind of things, right? Yeah. Does the yeah. Google home come in as like a media player into home assistant? Yep. Then what you can do is like on the trigger that it, you know, stop goes from like playing to whatever other state you then just re-trigger the automation. Right. Yeah. So that way, as soon as they say stop, your automation then re-triggers and starts it all over again. I could do that. Yeah. Instead of just doing it by time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I feel like I need to take notes. Yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Don't worry. We're, we're very cheap. We <laughs> Every idea that's will right. cost you a dollar. All right. That's right. <laughs> Quickly come up with more ideas. Yeah. You've got um, your, your Z-Wave devices. Um, are they still going through your Vera Light or have you moved over to a different like hub to connect those through to Home Assistant? I've, I've moved those straight into Home Assistant using um, uh, a, a Z-Wave stick. Yep. Um, for for about a year, I ran it through the Vera Light and then I took the plunge to transfer them all over. And I got one. Of, I got the uh, the Nortec Z-Wave stick, which also mm-hmm. does Zigbee because I have a couple of Zigbee devices, yeah, right. like a Zigbee fan. Um, so it's kind of nice to have it both in one. And yeah, it just, it took a while because I've got like 40 or 50 Z-Way devices, mm, but I yeah. eventually moved them all over to Home Assistant. So where did you move out? Are you using the new, like, I know in the recent releases, Home Assistant's gone, like in, uh, using Z-Wave JS now, I think it's called. Are you using that or have you got like the old Z-Wave integration running? I've got the old integration like, running. Like the open Z-Wave um, one. Yeah, uh, and uh, I am going to move over to the to the new one, but I, I'm waiting since it's, they said there's going to be a an easier migration path. Although it doesn't look like it's too hard now, I'm just yeah. going to wait for it to be more automated, and then I'll move over because yeah. I'm not really having too many problems with my Z-Wave network. There's a couple of things that are a little slow to respond every once in a while, yeah. but for the most part, it's perfectly fine. So I, I'm not in a hurry to move it, and I'll just do it when it's easier. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's that's fair because the last thing you want to have to do is go around and repair everything right like that yeah that is i've already done that once (laughs) i moved it over that was a lot of work yeah only (laughs) once you're lucky i remember like i've i actually did the opposite to you i had a a z-wave usb stick um and i was running it through open z-wave as well and eventually like just the compatibility with devices down here down under it was just ridiculous so i actually bought a a vera light and now i use a vera light it's just a z-wave gateway to me, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. all my devices are hooked in that, but I don't want to have to repair everything, man. Like, it's just a pain in yeah. the ass having to go around, especially all those motion sensors. And then if you're plugging them in via USB, then they've got to be paired a certain way, or you've got to make sure that they're plugged in when the, if they're going to be powered USB, you've got to pair them as plugged in. And I, yeah. I, 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 I stress just thinking about having to repair everything. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and Z Wave holds everything on the stick, if I'm not mistaken, yes. right? Not yes. on. Because Zigbee, I'm fairly certain, holds it in an external database or something like that. Like in, in ZHA, I think it, they've got the Zigbee database. So even, I've never tried it, but I guess if you switch out your uh, stick, in, in theory, it should still keep working. Mm. I don't know if there's some kind of tie-in, but yeah. I'm sure I'm sure I'll get corrected at some point. But <laughs> that, that yeah. is a good thing. When I move to a new integration, I shouldn't have to repair anything because it's all paired with the stick for, That's the, right. for the Z-Wave. Correct. But I will... I think I have to do a lot of renaming of entities and other things. Yeah. And that, even that. That's, 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 <laughs> and like that's another that. problem, right? Like, <laughs> that's, uh, that's where you use your programming background to come up with a script to do it for you. That's right. That's right. It's one of those things where it'll probably take me longer to write the script and test it and get it right than to do it manually. But 100%. <laughs> it'll take you at least twice as long to do it that way. But 
but of course that is that is the way to do it right? yeah <laughs> because why would you do it easily yeah so i can do it again in five years and have the script ready yeah. exactly yeah. Yeah. exactly in case it never happens again yeah <laughs> right so but yeah that's uh that's that's interesting so your Z-Wave locks, are they like code-based locks or how, how do they work? So they're, they're, they're Yale Z-Wave locks. They do have a key that you can still use. They're the deadbolts for my, yep. for my yep. doors. Nice. They do have a keypad that you can use and they still have a key that you can use, although I don't ever carry the key anymore. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah they're just uh, – and then they you enter code, eight-digit eight, eight digit code, and you can yep. get in. Do you have nice. the ability to set a code on the fly? On the fly, like, could you like if you needed to give someone access temporarily to your house? Could you like dial into um, Home Assistant, say, put in a new code, and then tell the person via text, "All right, enter this code now; it should let you in." Or is it all pre-configured? Uh, I can't do that, or I haven't set it up so I can do that via the interface. Although I probably could, but you can't. There's a service call I can do that nice. I can send a code. Mm. Okay, to that's it. cool. Yeah, um, and yeah, and the nice part is. I can also tell who entered what code and I have right. automations that tell me like which person unlocked the door and, oh, and really? that kind of thing. So I can do that for guests too. Yeah. So I have a generic guest code that I, I can give out now and now yeah. every so often I can just change it, but I always know when that code is used as opposed to a different one. Right. Guest has entered the house or, or yep. whatever. That's awesome. Oh, that's cool. So you could do things like um, in automations, you could have like um, a, a guest um, code that only works, you know, Monday to Friday or only on the weekends. And then in Home Assistant, you'd have the automation to go, all right, on Saturday morning, disable that code. And then Monday yeah, morning, yeah. enable it. That is cool. And then I haven't done my, that, but I could, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can, you can even have, get it to randomly generate your thing every week, right? And Probably, yeah. Or whatever, yeah. every week. And then there's, in Home like Assistant. Said, uh, there's another dollar for you guys. Yeah, yeah that's it, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then in Home Assistant, you have the visibility to see who entered the code. Like, yeah. 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 So I wrote, um, since I, I, I pre-programmed all the codes, I just wrote an automation that basically just sends me an, a notification when, when a code is used. Mm-hmm. Well, mostly most when, when my son uses a code, it's just, yeah. this is totally, um, geared towards my kids. So yeah. knowing, oh, knowing when Absolutely. you get home and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, I'm just thinking of like Airbnb people, you know, like this would be like yeah. a great way to like a randomizer code, um, and disable codes when people check out and all that. Like, yeah, very cool. Yeah, it's it, it, it makes me so jealous because so so I, I have again, I think I talked about this. Uh, I got a Kivo smart lock at some point. Right. And I hate it. <laughs> and and it's one of those things I'd really much rather it be a Z, uh, Zigbee or Z-Wave, literally anything else. Yeah. Um, and it's like because like, because I don't know if you've seen the, the Kivo ones, but basically you can just tap the lock and, and it. You know, there's a little light LED strip. I almost got the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, it's the worst. It takes sometimes it literally takes like 15, 20 seconds for it to recognize. A lot of times it times out and like literally uh, my phone is in front of my face and in, in yeah. right in front of the lock. And it's like, yeah. so it's not that it can't hear it or anything like that. It's just, oh, it's, it's, it's just, it's just painful. And uh, yeah, it's so hearing, hearing this Marlon definitely makes me jealous. But the only issue is I had at the time nowadays there's smaller form factor locks um, because of whatever genius built my door there's a window in it but the, the window is very close to where the lock hole is so i actually can't use other like l- slightly larger than whatever this form factor is just won't work for me so um, i actually did end up buying a uh, 
before this one, I ended up buying an August and after the August, I bought some other one and neither one of those fit. Right. And, and, uh, luckily wherever I bought them from had a decent return policy. And I was like, listen, it didn't work for me. They're like, okay, cool, whatever. But sounds like yeah, you just need not, a new door. Oh, I, <laughs> genuinely it's, it's, I, I have, I think I've said this for about four years now to my girlfriend. I'm like, I hate my door. <laughs> like, it is, it is just, just, it's, it's the weirdest thing to dislike in a house, but it, yeah. nothing, nothing makes me angrier than that door. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm lucky that the standard locks fit on mine pretty well. And, yeah, uh, I just oh, have a Yale so lock. It's, I've had it for a literally a long time. I've had no reason to replace it, and I, I prefer the Z-Wave um, just because I'm paranoid, and uh, and it's probably a, a little less, a little more obscure for someone to try and hack and get into. So, oh, definitely. Um, so yeah. I just, uh, yeah, I think if, I think I'd always get a Z-Wave lock if I could. Especially I think, to an IP or a Bluetooth or something like that. Yeah, even with the, the uh, Z-Wave locks, they've got, um, like, you have to use the Z-Wave security classes as well, yeah. I think. So they yeah. put, they knew that these were going to be, like, like precious, you know, devices. So they've put in the spec a bit more security around them too. Yeah. Do you, do you have any, do you have that uh, connected to your Google Homes or anything like that in any way? Just to say, hey, lock the door or... I do. So not, not directly, obviously through home assistant, I do that. So, um, just have automations written that will do that. I don't have them. You cannot unlock them from the Google home, but you can lock them and they Mm -hmm. automatically lock at like certain times at night in case I've forgotten. Yeah. And and that's, that's, that's a security feature built into Google home, right? Where you can't unlock or you need a pin to unlock or something like that. Yeah. You can set it to need a pin. You can also disable that feature though. Right, um, right. Where you don't need to, but yes, that is a security is, feature, yeah. which is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, again, still more jealous. <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's so great. I, I think a lot of my motivation was just around just making things more secure. Yeah, for, for sure. The, for the smart home. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so it sounds like you know the typing in the pin number, or whatever. That's that's one way of. I, I know you said you know for for kids and stuff. That's you know you can keep track of it. Do you do you do anything else for presents or um, any of those kind of? Yeah, uh, I just use the basic uh, in map presence detection in, mm-hmm, okay. in Home Assistant, and that it's worked great. I know some people have said it hasn't been good. Like it doesn't. I'm not going to get room to room presence detection with that. But just as far as knowing people are home, it works great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you can always yell for your kids. Yep. <laughs> And I've always thought, like, you don't, like, if you've got your phone on charge in the kitchen and you're walking around, you don't necessarily need, you want other forms of in-room presence, right, that don't yeah. require someone carrying a device on them. So, yeah, that's cool. Interesting. How, how about delivering notifications and things like that? What do you what do you do in there? So, I recently moved to Telegram. I was using um, Google Hangouts for mm. quite a bit, and then I was worried about the retirement of google hangouts yeah yeah. so at the end of last year i moved to telegram and that that works great too i was uh my i i really just wanted something i could see on the desktop on my phone um Mm -hmm. and i i run linux on my desktop so i needed something that works well um on multiple platforms and telegram fit the bill for everything so nice with that That that's going to be my next question why why telegram specifically right so yeah but Okay, that that great reason I think, right? Yeah. And you, how did you find the move from Hangouts to Telegram? Like, is it like okay? It was it was okay. I mean, I did have to rewrite every single notification. <laughs> of course. Uh, and uh, but the, it, the service call is pretty similar, so it wasn't wasn't too bad. Um, yeah. The setup for Telegram takes a, a, a few steps, or at least took me a few steps, because um, I hadn't been using Telegram before that. Yeah. Um, right. But. 
it's just a one-time thing and then just had to go rewrite all of those notifications. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you got to the point, like I see people um, all the time with Telegram, they do like Telegram bots so that they can talk to their house. Have you thought about going to that level? I thought about it. I, I and it is a Telegram bot, but I have it. It's really only one way communication. I don't have it. Yeah. I don't have it um, process anything that I send back to it yet. Yeah. Maybe maybe in the future. Um, I just haven't found enough of a reason to do that to put into work that it would take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get that. But then, isn't this a home automation podcast? Like we could just flick lights on and off with a switch, right? Like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think I think my logic too is if if just as quickly as I could type it out, I can also just fire up the Home Assistant app. Um, right. Again, mm-hmm. using something like Nabucasa, especially so then I could get it wherever I am, right, and just turn on and off a, a light. Again, not that that's necessarily the most optimal way to do it, but if it's a one-off, being like, oh crap, did I leave that thing on? And and you don't have an automation for that. Okay, well, fire it up and go right. So. Yeah, between that and voice controlled, I just exactly. uh, you know I, I just haven't found a good reason to do it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like the idea of being like on the computer at work or something, and just opening up a chat window and saying to Home Assistant, "Is the front door locked?" Right, and it just responds oh. back, "Yes or no." Like those sort of questions would be cool to be able to query the house for states or something, right? But once again, a lot of work for something that I could just look in the Lovelace UI for. Exactly. And I created like status dashboards just for that. So like I have one that just shows me which which doors are unlocked or which lights are on or that kind of thing. And just, yeah, Yeah. that was easier to do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's the same amount of effort to, you know, open open an app on your laptop as it is to just go to, you know, whatever your home assistant URL is. Right. Um, Even if you are outside. So. So what is one of your favorite automations that you've done? Ooh, I think one of my favorites is, it's again, just, just practicality. So I have a uh, generator mm-hmm. and they wanted to charge me to for their app to a uh, monthly service fee to just let me know when it's on and when it's off. What? Or, okay. And that kind of thing. So I just put a Z-Wave uh, vibration sensor on it. Because <laughs> um, the thing is loud, and you know it's vibrating, and uh, that tells me when it's on and it's off, and uh, and I can track how long it's been on and all that kind of stuff, and which helps me with some of the maintenance and other things. And I don't need to pay their monthly service fee for features that are in the actual generator. If like if I pulled it up and looked at the console in there, I could probably find all that stuff. So they're just mm. charging me for nothing. Oh, that's, that's, you know what? Good on you. That's, that's just frustrating at that point. That's a, that's a, we can charge you because we can. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of thing, right? Yeah. Which is, you know. So it's just a simple automation. It just checks there how, if it's vibrating or not and sends me a message saying it's on and, and it's off, which no, is good to know when I'm not home that yeah. the power's got out. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's perfect. That's perfect. I was going to say, could you, could you also just put like with those passive like energy clamp things coming on the feed from the generator? Yeah, I thought about that one, but again, this was even easier. So. Yeah, <laughs> I, listen, I love that. That's that's fantastic. Good on you. Uh, <laughs> it's it's the 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 every 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 bit of like the the rebel in me is like, yeah, I mean, it, it's I think it's just a principle of charging for something so basic. And and listen, I I get they're not a charity. I get I get all that, right? But. Yeah, the, the the price of the generator lets me know they're not a char- charity. So. Uh, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need the service fee. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. At Parker, our purpose is simple. 
We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Also, like they're just thinking outside, right? Like, you know, you could have maybe gone into the console and, and hacked something out of it, like reading it off the screen or something, or, you know, as Rohan's other clamps on. Or you could just go really ghetto, simple, and go, yep, this is it, bam, right? Like, done. Like, vibration center, like, done. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I, am, I am a huge fan of just the simple things, right? Like, it's, it's and I think I've talked about it quite a bit, and, and Phil's talked about it quite a bit, is just the simpler you can keep it, the nicer it is, right? Like, I know Phil uses vibration sensors for, and, and, and those passive electrical clamp things to kind of determine, yeah. hey, you know, is my dryer on? Is my dishwasher on? Is yeah, whatever, right? Like, why why am I going to spend a thousand dollars to buy a smart dishwasher when I can buy one for a couple hundred bucks and then yeah, stick right. a twenty dollars sensor on it? Yeah, <laughs> literally like a power monitor and a door open close sensor, and you're done, right? Like, yeah. yeah. The other thing is you can't turn those things on remotely, but then I don't necessarily want to do that. You know? Yeah, yeah. So how many like so you've got like your son is in your smart home? anyone else that you have to account for like so yeah i've got two sons and and a wife and mm-hmm. uh yes i have to account for all of them with everything that I of do. course of course uh, which does change some of the things makes a lot of things harder to automate that i'd like to automate um i don't automate anything on anybody else's presence but mine for the most part mm-hmm. um but yeah they it um i have to make sure everything works cuz i'm the only one who's ever going to go to the home assistant ui and do it yes anything. yeah so it either needs to work by voice or automatically for the most part and so i i have to do a lot of thinking about that when i'm working on different projects i think that works pretty good as well for you know like non family users of the home too right like yeah. as long as it's just a human in there interacting with the home it doesn't matter their family or not it needs to work right yeah yeah i, I think yeah, i think right. our design principles are very similar here too <laughs> it's, it's, you got to interact with it it's got to be a voice or nothing right or, yeah. or it, it drives itself right so that's right or the the regular thing still works like the light switch or yeah the power yeah button. those actually have to still work yeah have you replaced exactly. those with like smart switches so for most of those i haven't changed the actual switch i've just put either a microcontroller behind it or a shelly behind it mm-hmm. um, so okay. most of them still look like the original switch except that they're now all toggle switches instead of on off <laughs> right Which, right um throws some people sometimes like because i didn't change the switch it'll say off when it's on if yeah use the voice or something but yeah. yeah interesting yeah and and is it is it those like paddle ones that are um or, or like an actual flip it's actual flip. Um, okay. So, yeah, so, so it really yeah. is confusing then at that point. I guess. It can be, yeah. They, they're all basically three-way switches now. But yep. And I guess I could go through the work of changing them out so they don't have the little labeling that say on and off. But, yeah. Um, I think yeah. everybody in the family anyway has gotten used to that. So <laughs> it's look, look up if you can see, flip <laughs> yeah. it, and you can't see anymore. <laughs> That's right. That's pretty much how it works. That's funny. <laughs> How are you driving your automations? Are you doing like you YAML or do you have Node yeah, Red? I'm doing YAML. I thought about doing Node Red, but um, the old school in me is just used to writing code. 
Um, yep. And I, I like right. being able to just change things quickly. Yep, totally agree. I once tried the Home Assistant automation um, generator. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After I had written automations, and unbeknownst to me, I didn't realize it would overwrite my entire <gasps> automation oh, no. file and get rid of all of my comments and everything. <laughs> oh, no. Please tell me you had a backup. I did have a backup, except okay. for the latest automation I had written. Okay. And um, <laughs> I had no idea. So I'll never do that again. <laughs> uh, so I'm always probably just going to be Yaddle. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was, uh, I, I had no, there should be a warning somewhere. <laughs> it's, I, I thought I thought there was, but I think the very first iterations they had like a, a a warning out, and then I think once again like things like this, right? Like people were losing their comments, um, or the YAML was being like restructured, and you know it just became unreadable, right? Yeah. Um, I think that, and I could be wrong here. I think they do now keep the comments, um, oh, okay. some way, or they attempt to keep the comments. But yeah, I don't think you can, it can never be perfect. Once the system needs to yeah rewrite the YAML file, it's it's it you, you lose ownership of it basically it was great that it worked though i mean it was actually pretty easy to make mm-hmm. an automation through the interface but i didn't want mm-hmm. <laughs> i didn't want anything i had already written to be best with so yeah 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 i think if you um expand your automations out into packages you can uh, then yeah. um then have automations from the ui in an automations yaml file so then you have like your automations in packages and then the UI generated automations just sitting in automation.yaml. That makes yeah. sense. I've thought about going to packages, but that's a again, if you if you could figure it out my style, that's a been a more work than it's been worth than worth it for me at this point. Although yeah. I'm up I'm way past a hundred automations at this point. And, and you're in uh, one so file. Probably, probably would help me all in one file. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but you know, no, I get find it. and replace so. works fine. Nah. <laughs> you know Visual Studio Code has like find and replace across files, yeah? Like you need to move to files now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. I, I, yeah, I probably do and, <laughs> uh, just to organize everything better, yeah. yeah. You, you know what, the though, number of scripts I have too. I, I, I did go through that exercise. It's not bad at all, right? I just do a directory merge and yep. just literally – cut, paste, cut, paste, cut, paste into individual files. And I think it probably took me about 10, 15 minutes to do it. And then it was a troubleshooting for another another 10 minutes to be like, why isn't my merge working? And then realize I'm using the wrong one and whatever. I, but it works great. I honestly think where I get hung up is I don't, is I probably spend hours thinking about how I would logically organize them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, it's, <laughs> And 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 if it's any if it's any help, I mean the way I I did it was I just did it by by automation, right? So um, one automation is one uh, file. Oh, okay. Right, and and I just said okay because now I have individual automations and individual files, and I can say it, it's super easy for me to find what I want now. With all of this said, I did move to Node Red probably a month and a half ago or two months ago, but. You know, even even in general, even with YAML, I I found that that was an amazing way to kind of thing and and my file names were descriptive enough that i was like you know and and sometimes i did group a couple into one where it was like if i at one point i had like a door open and then a door closed or like my garage door uh being open because that's a cover and then my other things open as uh as a door and those ones i'm like you know what they're similar enough i just stuck them in the same file Mm -hmm. um but there's no there's no hard fast whatever i should probably do it i just just been putting it off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it. Honestly, it is. It is 
quite a bit easier to to use and and i just think it's more efficient uh i found um, for me going like based on room so i would start with you know like a bedroom yaml file and i'll put all the automations for the bedroom in that yaml file and then when that gets too big i would then um break that out into like bedroom lights or the bedroom tv so then all the automations for like the bedroom lights are in one file for the bedroom tv or in another file um yeah and then you know all the so bedroom TV that's got the Roku on it will then have the Roku in that package along next to its automations. Just keeps it all bunched up together. Yeah. But, but yeah. Or you can just thought. go the way Frank works and I don't even know. He uses packages in a completely different way to everyone, I think. <laughs> yeah, I know, he, I know he modified it from the last time I looked at it because I actually did use some, some – most of my stuff is structured from mm-hmm. one of his iterations of stuff um, – of his uh, of his uh, config and and I, to me it was just I was looking through it and I, at first I was like how is this organized and I was like oh my god this is so logical this is like like it to me it was exactly the way my brain worked so I was mm-hmm. like oh this is cool so I went through this whole like project and 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 moved it to that and worked fantastic for me at least right and I think that's the thing and just you just gotta it depends on how your your mind operates right and based on that you'll you'll be fantastic at you'll be a lot happier with it right rather than scrubbing through 100 automation <laughs> 100 plus automations in a single file yeah it yeah it's not fun I, and i know better i just uh it's i never I, thought I, I would, it. it would explode quite that much that fast it's like i just want to write a new one i don't want to organize it yeah yeah <laughs> What security system, you said mentioned before that everything ties into a security system. Have you got like an alarm control panel that like is integrated into Home Assistant? Yeah, it's a it's a two gig alarm control panel that's it's actually integrated through through alarm.com and nice. using um, uh, custom components since it's kind of a web scraper, so it's not right. officially supported anymore. So yeah. right. um, it's the one custom component I still hang on to that's uh, not fully integrated, but um the alarm system is too important to, to let mm. it go. So and it, it, it helps with a lot of things with, you know, when the alarm arms, the, the locks lock. And yeah, um, we have other automations where, like I call it my, my wife's turn down button. She can, um, she can just press a button and it'll turn off all the lights on the first floor and then illuminate lights that head up to the bedroom, alarm the arm, uh, arm the alarm and um, then give you a notification saying all oh, that's happened. Good night. You know, yep. so <laughs> that's cool. Uh, yeah. Do you find like, or do you have the ability that when someone punches in a code um, from a Z Web block that then disarms the alarm panel, or do they have to go in? And- I do, and I used to do that, and then I just thought I don't feel so safe with that. But after I started giving the kids um, numbers to the locks, yeah, so I actually right. disabled that. <laughs> so in the event that a like one of your kids comes home, do they then have to go up to the alarm panel to disarm the alarm as well? Yeah, that's I don't have that able anymore to be disarmed mm-hmm. by voice. If they would just learn to use the, though you can disarm it using Home Assistant, um, but they would actually have to go through the interface to do that. So yeah, yeah. right. Uh, but no, they that still is. I have them do that manually, and I don't have to. I just uh, I just have to think very hard and deep about what things all allow to automatically disarm the alarm. Yeah, that's fair enough, and that's probably you know a fair way to think about it. You know what is authorized to disarm this alarm, right? Like, do you want to automate that or not? I think, yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, when it was just me, yeah. When I t- once I punched in the code, the, the alarm would disarm. Yep. <laughs> I, was, yeah, I yeah. wasn't going to do anything else. Yeah. Yep. 
Have you have you thought of anything um, security wise, like 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 a, I guess an infosec wise for for in terms of that? Because again, because it does have Home Assistant does have access to your alarm system now. Um, how like it, are you doing anything to protect that? Or um, um, I mean, nothing more than I normally do for for my for my home network and other things. I just uh, m- most of my protection is just monitoring. Yeah, having a good firewall. So there. I do. I do centralize. I do. I get notified when a new device joins my network or that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um. And that's pretty much it. Nice. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But security is always a big thing. Like one of the things I added for security wise is these little panic buttons around the house. So I, I use one of those Sonoff uh, RF bridges, and I just so I can buy cheap 433 megahertz mm. uh, devices to use around the house. Yeah. And one of the things I use a lot are the buttons, uh, just little push buttons. Yeah. And so I have one of those placed strategically in different places in the house. This is when I started leaving my kids home alone because, mm. again, I'm paranoid. Um, yeah. And you can just press a button and then it'll send a telegram notification and a text to my wife and I. It'll tell you the location of where it's at. And it's just basically a panic button that, that says, and you know, I've given instructions to my kids of what they should do when there's an intruder or something if mm-hmm. they happen to be home. And they can just press one of those buttons and go to where they're supposed to go, and then we'll know. Um, and it also turns on this uh, – there's a light that I have outside my house. It'll just turn it red. Yep, yep. So I'll know. So um, doing little things like that, I've just – a lot of – like I said, a lot of my motivation for the smart home stuff is security. Yeah, that's cool. So I'm guessing like um, if there's a button in the, the living room on the couch, like they'll press that button. It'll send you to let's mm-hmm. say, you know, the living room couch button got pressed. Um, yep. Take your action. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. That is that is actually really really good. I, I kind of I really like that. I wish I wish one of my one of my biggest things is I really wish Amazon uh, open sourced their dash buttons. Yeah. Because those things are just so freaking cool. Because um, yeah. because they power themselves, right? So so the that when you push the button is actually how it the, the the dash button turns on with the power generated by you pushing the button really i, I thought they were that. i thought they were battery yeah. based and they were just they were so cheap that they would just let you like, give you a new one every few years <laughs> i don't i don't believe so i think i think they're actually uh, there's there's some term for it um, there's, there's the kinetic like energy yeah. right like because yeah, i know yeah, the yeah, phillips yeah. hue tap button like the big they've got the big circle one with the four buttons that's yeah. all powered by you pressing the button yes um, but I didn't think that the Amazon Dash ones were. But but it's ugly, and, and that's the difference, right? Like, <laughs> the, the Dash buttons are not. It is, yeah. It looks like a big hockey puck. Right, exactly. Right? So it's... Yeah, that is cool, because uh, one thing that a smart home will get you if you get a lot of sensors and stuff is a lot is a nice schedule of replacing batteries all the time. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It's the worst. It's the worst. I think half of your automations in Home Assistant are just, you know, tracking batteries of all your devices around the house, right? <laughs> yes. I do have a yeah. dashboard just for batteries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. Oh, that's why I try and power as much as my of my um, Z-Wave motion sensors now because I was just replacing batteries every week, like yeah. in all the motion sensors. It was crazy. Yeah. And then the the new ones from uh, AOTech, the, the multi-sensor 6, they don't use like AA or AAA batteries anymore. You've got to get these like fancy you know yeah special cr123s exactly or whatever that they use. Yeah. yeah 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 that's what a couple of my um my tilt sensors use for my garage doors right they, they yeah. use those and it's like uh, yeah so i have this whole set of different size batteries that i have to go around the house using and trying yeah. to remember 
I can't remember half of them, so I don't know until I open it. If, of I guess course, I can write yeah. it down somewhere. <laughs> but it's like, well, no, I'm going to do it anyway. I know, I know. It's. I think. I think I've gotten, except for one motion sensor, I think I've gotten it down to either the CR one twenty three or the um, I forget what it is, the, the watch battery one. Um, oh, the two hundred four five. Two hundred three two. Yeah, the twenty thirty twos. Yeah. 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 So it's it's one of those two. So I'm like, okay, I think I think I'm good, except for one of my motion sensors, which is ancient <laughs> and that uses like something else, and it's oh, so frustrating. Yeah, and and some of these, like the one on the the motion sensor, I think it costs like ten bucks for yeah, a battery. Yeah, that's the problem. Right? And right? it's like, oh, and you can't God, get a rechargeable me. one because there is such a, a niche size. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and the rechargeable ones typically suck after like three recharges. <laughs> yes. <right>? Yeah. <laughs> like it's as, as much as there's like, Oh yeah. And I and there's all these different technologies. Oh, this one doesn't preserve memory. Yeah. They all suck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, that's the problem. So, yeah, I, I have had one, one real problem with, with batteries and that was with my front door lock. Cause mine's old enough. It doesn't have one of those things where you can just like give it a quick charge in the front. So oh, really? the batteries ran out while I was gone and I don't, I don't normally take my key. <laughs> oh no. See, that <laughs> is so my I could, fear. I couldn't actually unlock the door. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dear. Yeah. Uh, I do keep it. There is a place I can go get a key, but um, um, now, and so that's what made me start um, religiously tracking the battery power. Yeah. Uh, um, so uh, that'll never happen to me again. Cause I'll, I'll, I get, I get a notification when it hits this certain battery level and go change it. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, interesting. What batteries do they take? It just takes double A. Okay. Um, yeah, wow. it's, it's pretty cool. big. It takes four double A's. They usually last anywhere from four to six months, so it's not that bad. Okay. It's just cool. that um, um, before I was tracking it, I didn't actually know when it would be gone. So. Until you get home <laughs> yeah, at, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. at 3 a.m. Yeah. in the morning and then need to get in quietly and it's not. Yeah. That's and don't the – but I thought the new ones would allow you to like – put a, a nine volt battery on the front of them or something yeah the new ones do that and mine are mine are pretty old they don't have any feature like that at all i mean you also then need to carry that battery around with you <laughs> in the case yeah. that you know you can't get into your front door right or that could be dead if you yeah. just store yeah. it somewhere yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah it's such it's, such yeah, common the best problems. thing is yeah the best thing, yeah real tough problems i uh every six months it's a chance that i might be locked out of my own house. All I have to do is carry a key. It still takes a key. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Nah, that's not oh, worth it, man. No. <laughs> nah. Nah, I'd rather just track the battery and make yeah. sure it's charged. Yeah. 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 <laughs> See, what you do is get make sure one of your kids or somebody else carries a key, and that way you, you don't yeah. have to. <laughs> yeah. Well, my wife always carries her key, so if I'm with her, I don't have any issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I is, often leave the house without any keys at all because I, I, my goal is to get rid of any keys. I either combination lock or something smart. Yep. To <laughs> me, like the idea of that sounds so freeing, like just to be able to walk out and walk back like and everything's secure. Like, yeah, that, that is the goal, right? Yep. yep. It it, yeah. it it is freeing. I've I've mostly gotten there, I think. Um, and yeah, it is so nice. The only thing I wish I could digitize is my driver's license. Then I don't need to carry my wallet between like <laughs> apple pay and and all that stuff then it's like i literally just need to leave with a phone that's it yeah so. it's nice to like just go for a bike ride and that that would be all you need yeah um, um or, or you're going right to the now, gym or you're whatever right like yeah 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 i don't it's nice i've pared it down i used to have to take the whole key fob i was just thinking back over the iteration it's just little things i have I mean that i've just when i was thinking about it just a couple days ago that i just don't even have to take anymore now when i go to bike ride i take my phone um and my id and that's it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And like I said, it'd be great to get rid of the ID. I do keep uh, 
like a picture of my ID in the cloud. Okay. So I can access it anywhere mm-hmm. yeah. just yep. in case that won't, that won't work at most places. But if yeah. I needed identification or something like that, need or happen to lose it, that'd be helpful. Yeah. Oh, uh, no. And that makes, that makes sense. Right. But, but it'd be great to not have to carry it at all and have a, an official license that you could use or ID that you could use in places. Yeah. Yeah. I, I heard a rumor somewhere that apparently Ontario was like investigating and looking at like electronic driver's licenses and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, please, please hurry up. <laughs> like, yeah. And you know, it's, well, you know, if your phone dies, then, then you're on the hook. You know what? I will take that. I will take that risk. Yeah. There's lots of other problems if your phone dies too. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have bigger problems. Exactly. Like I can't drive my car. <laughs> so I wouldn't be worrying about me not being able to drive my, uh, not being able to show my driver's license for the car if I can't drive it. Right. So it's, so many places to charge your phone these days. Oh, that's it, right? The, the worst how... is if your motherboard breaks, right? Then you're really screwed. Yes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Re- rebuild everything on your phone. Yeah. So I'm I'm now stuck to this phone. I can't get a new phone. It's it's <laughs> <laughs> But no, it's we've we've come a long enough away, so this is the most first world problem, I think. You know, another one of my favorite things is uh is just being able to automate the fireplace. Um I'm sure I've, I've broken codes to do that. Ooh. So the fireplace is, uh, it's, uh, you can, it, I, I just used a Shelly and it, it took me a while to get comfortable with, uh, automating the fireplace because I'm, it's a fireplace. Of course. <laughs> just a yeah. gas fireplace and I nothing didn't want to mess wrong. anything. Nothing can go wrong. Yeah. Nothing. I, I want to make sure nothing could go wrong. So <laughs> I, um, you know, there, there, it's, it's powered by a millivolt and so it's, um, you know, there's not really any power going through it. So you have to, I think about how it's going to power a smart switch. And mm-hmm. I ended up using a Shelly. And luckily for me, mine is in the same switch gang box as the fan control, which okay. does have power. Although I don't have a fan. It just, they just installed a fan control, but no fan. Nice. Um, but it does get. <laughs> it does T- totally get, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It does get power going to it, mains power going to it. So I just kind of ran the mains power from that one to the other one, which is probably where I'm violating code and um the building code and uh to the shelly and then I, the shelly since it's a dry contact it will is it's pretty safe so yeah. it's not going to send that mains power to the fireplace to keep that safe and um so that way i can automate the fireplace pretty well and it can still use the switch to op- to turn it on and off and in many ways in my opinion it's actually safer so like now that it's connected with home assistant uh it'll automatically turn off when the temperature in the room gets too warm mm-hmm um, or I'll automatically turn it off after two hours just because there's usually no reason we usually have the fireplace on for more than two hours and it's easy enough to turn back on. Right. So in, in many ways it's safer. Um, but, uh, it did take me a while to come to a design and an implementation that I felt comfortable with <laughs> without yeah, of course. any chance of blowing up the house. Yeah, no, that's fair. Especially with a gas fireplace, you want to be, yeah. uh, you want to be careful <laughs> of yeah. that. So, so if it was to be manually turned on, would mm-hmm. your would the state of the fireplace be reflected in home assistant as at like on? Yeah, because uh, the Shelly has a little input for uh, knowing when a switch has been hit, so that right. it sends that information back, and so I know when it's on or off. Yeah, perfect, nice. Yeah, okay. So that that would then give you another degree of confidence that you know if home assistant says it's off, then it is actually off. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So in many ways, to me, it's safer. So. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that makes that that's that is actually a really cool automation, right? Because I know a lot of people do 
RF based whatever because uh, a lot of, again a lot of these fireplaces are mm. remote like remote RC control whatever right so a lot of people do RF based whatever or things like that so I do I do really like the uh, use a Shelly and you know because mine mine upstairs it's it's got a switch as well and same thing right like it's a paddle switch you just flick it on flick it off kind of thing but yeah yeah the only problem I have now with the way that I've done it is if the power is actually off the fireplace won't work which before it would because it wasn't actually powered by right. power um, mm. I can still manually turn it on if I disabled if i just act, if i opened up the switch box and connected the wires myself hot wired it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh now when the power's off there is no fireplace there's no that you can't right. just control the fireplace which is not a big deal now that i have a generator so it all works together that's right <laughs> that's right um i think the only other thing that might be of interest to people that's taken a lot of my time over the last year is maybe the the led lights that i've st- installed around the house that make things happy when we've been at home although we're starting to leave the house now these days Oh, yeah, but uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, what like in terms of like you just like use Philips Hue around the house or no? So I, I um, so I, I've gone and used WLED and uh, LED strips and LED strings like all around the house okay. in various oh. places. Um, and like the, on the, the ceiling or like so I've got some like in the kitchen on uh, over the cabinets. I've, yep. I've got some outside like on the deck and on nice. the on the on the uh, gutter line. Yep. And uh, the the cool thing about it is, one, uh, now when Christmas comes, I don't have a whole lot to install because I just yeah. have them there all the time. Yep. And two, now I, when, since I've been home, I've been home a lot, I've decided that I'll just run them all year. And so I just have different um, themes that I run for different times of the year for the yeah. lights. So since the WLED is really customizable for the lighting um, displays and the lighting um, yeah. animations that you can do. So like... Um, here in the States, we, you know, we have Memorial Day and we have the 4th of July. So right now I'm on USA colors, red, white, and blue. Right. Nice. Um, and, um, like around Christmas time, I'll do Christmas automations where it's Christmas colors. And then I'll have the, so you mentioned the Philips Hue. I, I use, um, the LifeX lights for yep. outdoors. So I'll have those changed to be the, to be a color that matches the theme of the, mm-hmm. of the LED strips and strings. So it's just, just something to play with. And, and, um, and then I just pick like, you know, different theme for autumn different theme for spring and just have different colors around the house all the time that's nice we have so we rent here and so that means you know no painting or anything like that so we have mm-hmm. philips Hue everywhere right yeah. and um it is awesome to have like from the street i can see like inside the house you know like different colors of you know the, the house right like just shining through um, I've got like a, a nano leaf canvas on the wall that you know just plays with different light colors. I think LED lights and just the different colors can just add a whole different dimension to a house. Yeah. Like it's awesome. One thing I also use the um, the lights around the house for is notifications. Like so, yeah. based on different things. So mm-hmm. if the washing machine's done, all the lights are green, right? Um, dishwasher's done, all the lights are pink. You know, just to give it a subtle, you know, notification that, you know, something needs attention. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. That's, I just started getting into actually doing that aside from like the panic light I mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. just to turn that red. I do have one light in the house that I change a different color when the mail is delivered. So I have one of those um, oh, ring cool. mailbox sensors. Yep. 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 Um, and then, so when the mail is delivered, there's a light that turns purple basically in the house. And then when we go pick up the mail, it turns off. So. Nice. Cool. 
I also use, I don't know if um, Google Home allows you to, but I um, in the Amazon Echo, you can track uh, when a timer is going to be done. So when the timer's done, um, it'll be ringing in the kitchen. I'll have all the lights in the whole house flash so that, you know, if, like if you're cooking something in the kitchen, you know, you, and you can't hear the yeah. Echo ringing, you go, oh, cool, the timer's done, right? Go take the stuff out of the oven, right, so it doesn't burn. I probably underutilized the ability to use the colored lights for notifications and stuff. I got it think through some of that stuff yeah <laughs> yeah it's just it's just another element to, mm. to to pull right for for just again the very primitive notification it's flashing something's happening right like so are your led lights addressable or is it like you get to choose one color for the whole strip uh they're addressable so really like get pretty pretty good designs yeah <laughs> oh that's awesome that's the next level i want to get to yeah. Did you like have to build them yourself or did they come as a kit? Um, so I, 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 I'm um, using WLED, the little node MCU controllers yep. is yep. what I use. And then um, I did. So for the longer runs, I did have to do a little bit. Of, I did. I didn't have to, but I chose to do a little bit of soldering for mm-hmm. some of the power injection to make them go longer. Yep. But for the most part, if you're if you're comfortable soldering, uh, it's easy to do. I mean, it's as easy as it gets. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And I'm not all that comfortable soldering. I hadn't actually done much in a long time. Yeah. Most of my soldering has been for the LEDs, and yep. it's I wouldn't. It's a good thing that you put heat heat shrink over it or or electrical tape, so you mm-hmm. can't see how bad of a job I did. <laughs> and it conducts the electricity and it works. So that's the goal has been achieved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hanging them up and wrapping them probably takes some time. Like mm-hmm. one of them to get to my roof, I had to get on the ladder, and my um, you know, not always my favorite thing to get that high up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, but putting them together and then programming the the chip is is pretty pretty straightforward. Do you do you do any uh, like for outside? Because this is actually something I looked into a couple of years ago trying to do it. And uh, for do you do you put have you put like a diffuser on there or anything like that, or do you just do the straight lights and and it looks good, or what do you do? So I um, for the way my gutters work, there's no good place to put a diffuser. Mm-hmm. I, I tried that. There's mm-hmm. no good place to nail them where you could actually still see the lights. Right. So I ended up using just standard gutter clips for for the uh, for the ones in my gutter. For the other ones, they're they're either under a eave, so they don't really need a diffuser. You can't actually see them so much. Yeah, yeah it yeah. might make them look a little better, but um, you can't really see them anyway. So I just using tape and some some hooks to keep them up there. Okay. Um, so I, I've gone the, the as usual the really easy route. <laughs> yeah. Nothing nothing wrong with that. I I like that. I, I looked for many ways to use a diffuser because I thought that would be an easier and cleaner install because totally. I didn't, but I, the, the way my gutters are made without drilling into the gutter, which isn't a good idea, I couldn't find a good place to put them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it comes a hassle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, okay. Food for thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Well, Marlon, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank, again, thanks for having me uh, and thanks for having this podcast. I mean, I, so I, I, I do listen to it. It's it's where I get all my information for all the new releases, which I really appreciate. And then you guys always have great guests who have done great things. So yeah. um, I love point. listening to the podcast. Thanks, guys. Perfect. And and where can where can people get the smart home manual? Um, you can get it on Amazon. Um, you could probably order it from your local store if you wanted to too. Um, but Amazon's the primary place where it's at. Yep. Perfect. Cool. All right. We'll leave that links in the show notes as well. Yeah. All right. Cool. Take care, guys. Cheers. Cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io.
The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.